Tonight, we welcome a rock and roll band called Kingsborough to the stage of the Phoenix Theater. This group released their new album, 1544, earlier this year, and have done a lot of press for it. Most of these pieces discuss their influences, bands they've opened for, sounds they've tried to achieve, and their musical origin stories. Tonight, we hope to get a little more personal and discuss the experiences, emotions, and philosophies that have been channeled into their music. Please welcome to the program, Kingsborough. Welcome, Kingsborough. Oh, wow. That was, that was nice. We don't get intros like that very often. Important context. The band is called Kingsborough. Billy Kingsborough is the front man of the band. Yes. You guys um, proudly proclaim that you are driven by the old soul of rock and roll. <laughs> and I'm curious, anybody at the table, what is that? Like, in your mind, and you, Tom, you've been hosting shows for 30 years. You've been a rock and roller your whole life. Yeah. What do you think about when you think about, anybody can say this, too. When you think about, like, the soul of rock and roll, what, what is a, you know, is it a philosophy? Is uh, it, like, a way of living? Well, I think that question's... It's every day. Yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, it's it's the, the beauty of that, kind of what is, like, the idea of rock and roll. I think it's, like, it's almost inexplicable even though we'll probably be here for the next 10 minutes trying to fumble our way through words that do describe it but i really do think that it's kind of this thing that is you know people say like oh i'm in a rock band you know and 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 then if and then we have conversations with people that you know when we say we're a rock and roll band oh like well what's what does that mean as opposed to rock music you know and i think that rock and roll is so much more um so much more an energy, so much more an attitude. Like, um, uh, so it has a lot more depth than, I guess, to me, it has a lot more depth than just saying, I'm a rock. We play rock. You know, I think that rock and roll is driven, driven by, you know, um, a lot more, I don't know, angst, like energy, like, um, it's, it's more colorful to me and really I'd say the most important thing is it's so rhythmically driven. Yeah, that's what I was going um, nice. You know, yeah. And and like soul music, it's it yeah. stems so much from soul music, and mm-hmm. um, and it's this compilation of like, you know, all these American genres. Like Chuck Berry is like the godfather of rock and roll. You know, he's and 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 like the rhythms and the melodies that are combined that he combined him him and his band um i think it was johnny johnson was the keyboard or the piano player that was like really behind all that but that is like the epitome of it is is that rhythm that that melodic sense that that attitude that energy and really like also like it's it's sexy rock and roll is like really sexy and slick Mm. um to me that's what that's kind of my my best way of describing something that's i i think is kind of inexplicable yeah well great thing about your answer is the the uh, question is so much deeper than most people even realize it when they ask it like when people say hell yeah what's your you you play music well uh what's what's your band like you know usually they're looking for uh like a you know a top 40 band that they can reference so they Mm, can know what you sound like yeah but like you say there's there's an attitude to it there's a whole other layer of it that most people who aren't a part of the world don't realize definitely i think it's i think it's overlooked um, especially in this day and age, for sure. You know, it's sometimes, par- sometimes, par- I think part of us, 
especially when we get into the studio, um, we're like, hey, let's let's make this a little bit more complicated. Let's push the envelope. And then, you know, but then most of the time we're like, we're like, ah, we can't deny that that simple groove and that simple, you know, stuff that really gets under your skin and really kind of makes you move. It sticks yeah. more. It's got more stick power. Yeah. And one thing, I mean, I guess we're we're all talking about this beauty of like the power of rock and roll, but you know, one thing that it brings to the table that really one frustrates frustrates us, two pushes us as harder than anything else could, and three at the end of the day gives us the most gratification is the fact that rock and roll has been done for you know 70 years now but the challenge is how do you reinvent it you know like how does that happen and isn't it amazing how do you make it new that happens uh, every time you play and every song you write almost is a reinvention of that. It blows me away. Absolutely. How you can take, you got 12 notes you're working with. <laughs> yeah. And you're using them. You're maybe using three of those. But how do you convince someone that, or how do you convince yourself, like, first, and then new. how do you convince everyone else? And this weird. is new. Like, this is. But it happens every time you write. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely yeah. incredible. You guys have paid a lot of tribute in different articles, and you can find them on your website to the people who've influenced you, to the people who've kind of shaped your sound, the people who've come before you. Have you read any books or interviews or do you like beads of wisdom from any of those kind of forefathers that stick with you? I do have one. Yeah. Um, he, no. he, you YouTube, you go down this rabbit hole a lot. I'm, so this yeah. is a perfect question for you. This is, this is true. <laughs> this is a softball for me. Yeah. Um, well, this, this, uh, this guy wasn't listed as an influence, I don't think, on any of our stuff, just because I, I think that I found out about him um, once, once we had recorded the album and all the songs were written. But there's a, there's a gentleman by the name of Blake Mills, um, Malibu guitar player, guitar like virtuoso, uh, wonderful like singer songwriter, producer, um, um, incredible just musician, musical mind, and um, and he said something in an interview uh, just because his guitar his guitar um, capabilities are so off the charts that people people don't see it very often because he really just knows how to keep himself on a leash in a way and also he's just he's he's said repeatedly that he's not really interested in guitar pyrotechnics or instrumental pyrotechnics if that makes sense and what really spoke to me is that he said i got bored of the flashy stuff and i started to wonder why um people were so attached to you know the way that nina simone sang her vibrato or you know how Der- how the way that Derek Trucks slides slides up to the thirteenth fret and just like just stays there and stings you, you know, um, stuff like that that is specific to people's playing that speaks to people like not how many notes or how many words you can say, um, it's you know like how can you how can you kind of you know captivate people in your subtleties, in your own personal musical subtleties. That was really cool to me. Um, So, yeah. So all of this stuff is valuable because these are the stories and the sort of background, the education you've gotten that has made you guys the musicians that you are. Um, You did say uh, 1544 just came out. And before that, though, 2015, you put out your debut album, correct? which was called The Night, The Grind, and The Woes. Yes. We're going to talk a fair amount about 1544, I think, but I'm curious with uh, The Night, The Grind, and The Woes, how much of yourself did you put in those songs? 
in a song like Daydream, um, that was, you know, uh, my first real kind of like attempt at a, um, at, you know, a somewhat of a love song. Now it was a love song to someone you loved or someone that you had loved. It was, uh, somebody that I was, uh, yes, in love with at the time. Um, and then kind of like you take that, uh, you take like, it's almost like you take all the, all the good parts of that relationship and then you, and then you amplify it and create like this perfect, this perfect relationship. If you could just do whatever the hell you guys wanted. And Mr. Wind, uh, was also kind of like a more personal, um, song about, um, um, you know, actually going through the breakup of that, that relationship. And then a, my cousin's, uh, grandpa died and, the grandpa and grandma were de- extremely in love. And like, what would it be if, you know, if you were that much in love and you got, you know, and you lost someone or you were the last one standing? Um, and would you, would you, you know, have a reason to, to stay? And, um, or would you kind of like, basically it's, it's writing a letter to the devil to kind of just take you, take you away with the wind. Um, so that was kind of, that one was fairly personal. I think that's great. And I'm curious, did that experience give you perspective? So you felt less bad about your circumstance or did it make you feel worse thinking like that could have been us? We could have made it 80 um, years together because it could go either way. It could, on it where could. You're at emotionally. Um, it's, uh, it actually, it actually made me feel better about, about the situation, ironically enough. Well, it gave perspective. It definitely gave, yeah. gave me some perspective, and, and it gave me kind of like something to shoot for, yeah. uh, you know, a goal to, uh, to you know, I want, I want my relationship to be, you know, that. Who is Mr. Wind? In the song, it was a, a messenger by the devil, just like, like that's, the, that's the way that you communicate with the devil. It's the wind comes through, and you just, um, and, uh, and you kind of call out, like a nice little warm wind kind of. There's a song called Sinner on the yeah. first album. Uh-huh. Who's the sinner? What was the sin? All right. Wow. Uh, well, um, grew up, as you know, uh, Catholic school. I think it's interesting that you grew into a rock and roller because mm-hmm. it's not exactly fertile ground to become a rock and roller. Oh. That well, sort of that sort of perspective is uh, is less celebrated. With you on that. Most of the people there don't have that perspective. Let's say that. Yes. Whereas you know when you look at maybe some of the public schools that we know a lot of people who come and play this stage are from, there Absolutely. just seems to be like more musical community, more artistic communities at, at uh, other establishments in the area. Absolutely. Whereas where um, you grew up and went to school, it, it seemed pretty dry. Yes. Yeah. And um, what school was that first? St. Eugene's Saint and Eugene's. then did and you go to Cardinal Newman yeah, High School? Yeah, I went to Newman, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, and it's funny, Sinner, the song, I mean, uh, it is not fertile ground for, for musicians by any means. You're absolutely right. But I think it is fertile ground for um, angsty teenagers who um, get tired of feeling like they've done wrong all the time. Um, and I felt that, you know, I think you went to, or you were raised Catholic as well. Yeah. I mean, this was a similar experience. Billy and I wrote this song together. I wrote, you know, the music and Billy wrote the lyrics mm-hmm. and, and, and like incredibly he wrote about an experience that really encapsulated, you know, a lot of both of our childhoods, Yeah, um, which was really cool. Um, but, but I, yeah, I'm, 
I kind of feel like it. It is almost like if under the right conditions, it's almost kind of like, it's almost kind of like you know those those like magic stories of like well if a chicken lays an egg and a rooster and you know like a toad sits atop it on the full moon blah 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 blah. It's like when you know when the stars align in that it turns into a drummer, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, exactly, but it's I th- I think it's almost the perfect breeding ground in a way because of that if that if all of that angst and all of that questioning and all of that and all of that not really willing to swallow the medicine that's being spoon-fed to you and you don't really know why it is you know questioning all that i think it's the perfect breeding grounds for yeah. for a, a rock and roll type yeah. attitude it's like why the fuck is this why everyone's telling me to do this but no one's explaining why and historically that is the story time and time again you know Um, I think a lot of the sort of forefathers of rock and roll grew up in those sort of like stringent sort of households and you know you, you give the middle finger to authority and that's what takes you down the road Interestingly, in the more modern era and at the school that you went to, it, it feels like that happens less. It feels like the kids are more so on the same page yeah, or they're yeah. rebelling in different ways, in different ways, in different ways. I think that's a good way to put oh, it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Stir the Beast is a song on that album. What's, mm-hmm. the, what's the Beast? So uh, that song, that song was we were like a song short yeah. um, and we wrote that in the studio pretty yeah. much. Oh, look at that. And uh, and it was it's actually kind of like a. um a somewhat political, um, you know, song. It's like, uh, you, you don't want to rise up, uh, because once you do, you get, um, you know, you get struck back down. <laughs> it's kind of a, a, you know, subtle, somewhat, um, you know, uh, anti the establishment, um, anthem. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the beast is, is obviously the establishment and, um, you know, uh, he'll put you to your knees. That's pretty much, <laughs> that's what it is. This band, when you watch you guys play, you would think that you would kind of maybe not do the the political undertones. And mm-hmm. that's good. I, I appreciate that you shared that with us. Yeah, yeah. It's great. No, we have eyes and ears. <laughs> <laughs> you we do, but you want, you want to take everybody's money. That's the thing. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> if you get too much of an opinion, then some people will say, no, thank you. Wait a we're, minute. We're yeah. not popular well, I don't, enough I don't know one. about that. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, we also want to be, we want to be friends with our fans, right? Well, that's the tough, that's the tough <laughs> balance that you find as you, yeah. as yeah. you get more and more fans. It's like, how much of myself do I want to put in this? Yeah. I, I mean, to me, it comes down to when you get to that level of fame it's like or where it starts to matter it's like Mm -hmm. is the is it more important artistically or is it more uh, important Mm business-wise and on this level it doesn't really matter we're in about the most friendly area for dissent and saying what you want in the country but um, you can stir the beast here, but you still yes, yeah. you can, you absolutely. can, but you still, uh, there are consequences to opinions when you are in a public position and mm-hmm. you get to be in a public position when your band gets popular. Well, I think, I think yeah. that the, um, the, the, the two conflicting ideas that you hear so much about is that a lot of people think of music as a, um, as a platform to, um, to make a statement about something and take a side in a way. Um, and it, and people think that it has power that way. Whereas there's the other school of thought where people think that music transcends any type of political, religious, whatever beliefs, you know? So there's, you know, there's the two opposing schools of thought. Is this a platform, um, to bring people together on one side 
or is it a way to ignore what's going on and bring everyone together anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think you could do both. I mean, it is a platform. It's both. Yeah, it is both. Absolutely. Yeah, both are valid. Yeah, but, but they don't necessarily coexist yeah. at the same show. You know, and there's also another side to that. Uh, once the words come out and the idea is there, it's really tough to take it back. Yeah. And um, and that's before you even give it to the audience. Mm-hmm. You've written this piece and you look at it and it's got its life and its soul now. And you mm-hmm. realize, wow, somebody might get pissed off about this, but got to go with this. Yeah, yeah. That's the other side of it is it's like you can't choose your fans. And you can choose what your message is, though. Yeah. And as long as you're at peace with what your message is, I think that's that's the litmus test. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good way of saying yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and our message is definitely um, more of a social inclusion message where you can just kind of turn it off and, and go have fun. And that kind of gets to the heart sometimes of, of what uh, the Western audience is looking for, escapism. Mm-hmm. We'd love to have oh, yeah. an hour or two where we really don't have to think too much and we yeah. can get rhythmic and we can bump our bodies against someone on the floor and mm-hmm. and, uh, and have a good time and not remember that you know maybe somebody's going to be lobbying a nuclear bomb yeah. at us. yeah exactly <laughs> and then this is probably too deep of a rabbit hole but then you get into i bet you've thought about this uh then you get into the issue of like how much escapism is too much escapism mm-hmm. and our you know there's a great book called entertaining ourselves to death it came out i think in the <laughs> 80s mm. uh, we talked about it during the siren episode yes. and, i mean if you start going down that rabbit hole it's like you could just distract yourself all the time and many of us do and then like as a performer you're like well how am i making the world better if i'm yeah. just if we're all just escaping nothing's gonna get it's a crazy thing i don't have the answer but i know that it's something that other musicians that i know have mm-hmm. have thought about that because in the, in the wake of like pretty crazy political times everybody oh, yeah. wants to be a part of the solution and sometimes making people feel better is the solution but also are we distracting ourselves too much in this modern day society and mm-hmm. i don't know i don't have the answer to it oh, i think we'd all just be driven crazy if yeah. we weren't um but yeah I, I mean that's a that's a totally valid question to ask yeah. you know how much is too much you know because i think i think that with within any material whether it be a movie whether it be music whether it be you know whatever it is i think that the things that last longer are the things that there's, there's an underlying current that, you know, people can identify with. It's like, I see myself in that, or I see, you know, it's just, if you can identify with it, it's, it, it's gonna, it has like lasting power. And I think that's why it's almost obvious when people are going too deep into escapism because no one can, no one gets it. No one identifies with it. You know, no one really has a grip on what's going on. So I think that once you stray too far, it's like, okay, you lost your audience. Like no one's like, there's a reason that say like, I don't know. Um, what, what you're saying remind me of is why love songs are so popular. Absolutely. Because everybody can see themselves in a love song. That's why you can watch, you know, reruns of, of friends at, you know, 24 hours a day on whatever channel. Well, or Seinfeld, you know. You know. Yes, I mean, yeah. you're speaking our Now language. you're speaking our language. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This might be a good lead-in to the new album, 1544. Um, there's a song on it called Percy. Glide Magazine premiered this song, uh-huh. and you talked to them about it. And basically, it's a song that's about obsession and addiction and the search to satisfy all of that. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a drug thing or an alcohol thing or a relationship thing, we can all identify with obsessive thinking. Yeah. I think the lyrical content is a little spastic because um, I not only put together 
different forms of addiction, different forms of, of, of obsession, but I also kind of piece together um, different periods uh, throughout like a night at a bar um, where you would witness those things. Whether it's like you want to get some love or you want to mm-hmm. get a drug that's going to make you feel a certain way or you yeah. want to drink a little bit more. You know, unfortunate thing is it's tough to, to uh-huh. say enough's enough when, when you're in that place. And the end of the chorus is, you know, and then it hit me. And uh, it kind of is supposed to leave you with a like, okay, now what? Like, all right, now it hit me and I'm, I've got kind of what I've been waiting for and I've been waiting all night for this. I've been, uh, you know, working the room and doing all these things. And, uh, and then, boom, now I got what I want. And then that's it. Yeah. And I mean, there you go once again <laughs> with the distraction and uh, with the, you know, that's what you were trying to get and now you got it and... Now what? Yeah. Yep. Uh, short-term solution to long-term problems. Well, yeah. What happens is you just play the song again, and and you know that's that's it. Yeah. You do the same. <laughs> you just thing. Put it on you, repeat. you play the same thing out in your life for the next forty years, and exactly. then you just call it a day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a cautionary tale. The song Percy. Is there someone named Percy? By the way. No, actually, yeah. not not at all. It's it literally like. Uh, it sounded good. It <laughs> yeah. sounded good. Sometimes that's all that I it know. takes. <laughs> Would you say that it was a conscious decision to have this album have so much of that, like, that search, that search for pleasure, that search for validation? It seems like time and time again on this album, mm-hmm. it's a man <laughs> looking, <laughs> for, looking something. for something. Uh-huh. It's a man in the... Th- may- and maybe it's just autobiographical. Maybe this was you getting into, like, this spot in this band and it just so happened that you were having experiences with with women or experiences with alcohol or whatever it was you were doing and it just made it rock and roll. made itself into the song yeah well yeah. um i always make the joke that um i lived the rock star lifestyle before i joined this band yeah um so uh so, and that was in college you know you're just constantly looking for um for you know something something to satisfy like in the song subtle lies exactly yeah. Where you hooked up uh, with a girl yeah. you had just met in her dorm room. You know what? Uh-huh. I, I, but you <laughs> sound an awful lot like a victim in this tune. And quite frankly, this was a woman that you had no idea who she was when you brought her back to your room. And the next morning when you find out that she's going to be married in a day or two, you kind of get offended. No, no, no. It was their anniversary. Their anniversary. Oh, was their, that was yeah. it. Yeah. It was their anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so, yeah. and we, you get offended. We obviously, like, have, to, we obviously have to give context. Uh, Bravo. So you, you have Bravo. A, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Yes. What the hell is going on? Yeah. How ass backwards is yeah. this? <laughs> that's, in fact, that's the perfect way out. Are you kidding me? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. I'll catch you down the road some other time, and I don't even yeah, but also, call who, you tomorrow. Who is the real victim here? Right. Well, it seems to be that you felt like the victim. And just to give somebody an idea if they've never heard the song so you met a young woman mm-hmm. and you you spent some time together with this person and and a night and you spent the night and that was great and then you woke up in the morning and then she was on the phone with her boyfriend yes and and it was their anniversary and you snuck out you felt that you'd been played yes. and um definitely well how did okay so did you ever see this girl again uh yes okay yes did you ever have a serious conversation with her about like hey I don't like betraying people because it um, seems like you felt bad about betraying her boyfriend. Yes. I yeah. felt really bad uh, about the situation because, um, because you know, I, would you have done I didn't it if you'd known she had a boyfriend? 
Probably not. I don't think so. Yeah. I, again, I was in college and yeah. you know, drinks were flown, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't appreciate the, uh, you know, I would have liked an upfront sort of like, Hey, would you say that you were an emotionally fragile spot when you had that one night encounter? Um, yes. Well, uh, the, the person was an upperclassman. I thought I was, and I was like, I was uh, young at the time. And, uh, uh, I thought it was, I was like, Oh, this is great. You know, this is, this girl's pretty awesome. Uh, and you thought he was cool. I thought I was cool. And, and I thought she was into me and, uh, no, she was, she definitely was not definitely was not. I felt a little used. Oh, she was partly into you. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> Physically, but not mentally for a minute. Do you think that there could be someone out there listening to this? that would be like, you're a hypocrite because you <laughs> yep. like one night stands yep. and now you had one done to you. And now how does it feel? I feel, uh, I felt very, uh, I mean, one, it gave me perspective yeah. and that's exa- <laughs> like writing this song. I'm like, I'm like, Oh man. Yeah. Like this is, this is the tables turned. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. uh, you know, this is a dude being taken advantage of or yeah. being treated like a sex, sex object. And, uh, and I felt like that concept, um, that, that sort of situation being turned on its head is, uh, was, was pretty funny. I'd love to hear your telling of the lowdown uh, origin story. Because you, you talk about how art uh, can share experiences that people can connect with. Yeah. I've, I've kind of read your piece on this, but I'd love to hear it from your own words. This is an experience I think a lot of us have as we kind of go through our lives. I definitely wrote it while um, the band was kind of catching, uh, catching some steam. And, um, and you, we never, when we started, we never thought that we were just kind of playing around and writing songs. And we thought, oh, this is awesome. This is really cool. And I, and, you know, um, and we wanted to make it work obviously, but, um, when, when we started going, um, and I think every kind of musician or artist goes through this where, um, you ask yourself, this is amazing. And this is making me change what I want to do in life. And, um, and you wrestle with kind of the unknown and the, um, and the known, before we started this band, like, you know, had a good job, could have easily, you know, just kind of like kept the nine to five. Um, but it did not by any stretch, um, make me feel as fulfilled as, as music did. You know, I was a latecomer to the whole, to the whole music thing. So this was a very new thing for me. Um, and so you kind of battle with, um, with what am I supposed to do in life versus what I want to do in life. And I don't want to derail you, but you also come from a background, you in particular, where this is not the norm. I mean, everybody's really supportive. No, everyone's and, supportive, and great, but, but they're a little confused. They don't really understand yeah. why a person would leave a good job to do this thing that doesn't have a guarantee. Yes, yes. Would you say that's a valid statement? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, when you see some of your friends, um, you know, uh, move up the corporate ladder and do all these things. And like, you talk about being at a, like a ritzy sort of uh, dinner where everyone's talking to you and it doesn't feel like the conversation is natural. It feels like there's an angle with every conversation. Exactly. Exactly. And, and like, um, for me, uh, I can totally put on a face and I can, I can be sociable and I'm, um, I can, that's, that's no problem. Um, but you know, deep down, you know, I'd rather be in my room writing songs or playing guitar or like, or as you like put that. it here, you, you know, you're at a fancy thing, but you'd rather be at a dingy dive bar with your friends. Exactly. In all of these songs, seems like you're chasing something. And I would also, we can cut this out if it doesn't fit, but I wonder 
in the song Where I Belong, it's uh, kind of your musings on love, uh-huh. I think, at a certain juncture in your life. Uh-huh. Do you feel like you captured any wisdom on that subject at all there that's worth mentioning? Like, the message of that song, is it a is it a hopeful song? <laughs> is it a I'm giving up on love song? Um, I think... Uh, I think some of this album has uh, two tracks, like uh, at least lyrically. And one is this young kid who is looking for satisfaction is not finding it. And then some of the songs, it shifts to somebody who um, uh, realizes that uh, they were looking for the wrong things, both, both I think, career-wise and, um, and uh, in their personal life. And there's a shift of of, hey, like, I was actually, you know, looking for something that doesn't really matter. And, um, and or for, for example, like the, the one night stand, you know, you kind of, you're looking for something that, or you found something that, you know, this doesn't really matter. Um, to where I belong, you keep going back to this, this one thing and you're starting to shift like, well, if I keep coming back to this one idea or keep coming back to this one person, you know, um, you know um, like it's kind of messing with, oh, what, what did I think was, was right? What did I think um, maybe I, what I thought was supposed to be right was not really how it's supposed to be? So in some ways, it's like the drawn-out process of making the same mistake over and over again and then slowly yeah. realizing that maybe you're ready to do something different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which it sounds like, I mean, this is a hugely autobiographical album. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, you talk, Un- I mean, inadvertently uh, so, yeah. inadvertently so for sure. I mean, that's, that's why we focus on lyrics here because <laughs> it's you, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it, these are experience. I mean, we don't need to go deep into your love life, but it sounds like your <laughs> love life followed a similar sort of trajectory as what you, your career life did. I mean, these were two things that you thought had to look one way. You thought you had to do one way. And over time, like everybody, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Let's personalize this a little bit for what actually makes sense for me. Yeah. And yeah. This, this album, if I'm not mistaken, sounds like you just said it, kind of documents that. Yeah, definitely. I would say uh, without going into too much detail, but, but definitely. With the, the, the forthcoming 2018 or 2019 Kingsborough album, yeah. is this a man at peace a little bit more than the second album was? Um, I would say so, yeah. yeah. I would say so. And Journey of self-discovery has concluded with 1544. <laughs> <laughs> we, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't oh, say okay. that. Yeah, we're continuing. Uh-huh. New chapters. Yes, yes. Always, always uh, discovering. Uh, I don't think. I don't think I'll ever be satisfied with anything, and it's. I, I think that's a problem. That's a. That's quite a statement. <laughs> you know, it's um, a very, very broad and expansive yeah, statement. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but that's um, a comment that could be used against you um, at any in, given in a time. future relationship oh. or with a band member. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a that's a damning statement you just it's made. It's very it's very damning. <laughs> but uh, but I think uh, in terms of musically, I think uh, you know we can always get better, and we can always. Um, that's why I think we just start. I mean, we're starting to write. Um, you know, kind of uh, we're itching, uh, itching now because uh, we had such a good experience with this album that we're like, okay, let's. I think we could do. I think we could do more. I think we could do this. I think we could do that. It's a project that seems to be connecting with audiences, and it seems like from afar, from my perspective, that you guys yeah. have an amount of momentum, and that's really exciting to watch. So, I, I appreciate that you guys came and shared some of the backstory and 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 the music, and, and thank you guys so much for sitting down with us tonight. Thank you right too for your really deep and thorough interest in music especially at this level it's you know it's you know at 
at not a you know professional celebrity yeah. or celebrity you know esque level. It's 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 really cool and unique that you know from, you guys are digging deep. It's, from it's my awesome. perspective, this is where it's the most real. I mean, yeah. you guys are really yeah. Awesome. You get to tell what's really going on. And yeah. my perspective yeah. is the people that you mentioned on the professional level, the big guys who have shows like this, or the big girls. They've already got avenues for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's something that is really important about the work of giving people a place to play and giving a spotlight to the music that they make. That's been the philosophy of Tom at the Phoenix since 1983. And that's the philosophy of the show. But there's almost that same important part of it that, that you have to have the people that are out there making it. And, uh, and, and it is more real. You look at some of the uh, more famous musicians nowadays, and, and I wonder how they can keep churning out these albums and how they can be real. Yeah. Because I don't think they're living that life anymore. Mm -hmm. But you guys are still there living it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so the stuff you're writing about is real. Mm -hmm. uh, this, mm -hmm. It'd be tough for you not to write the truth right now. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. this is, for me, why it's so vital and important that, that uh, this is the part of music that people hopefully will get to hear. You guys are yeah. the real deal. You're, you absolutely know what you're singing about. Well, I appreciate you being so thoughtful about your responses. Oh, definitely. Um, it's what makes an episode worth listening to is when yeah. people come on and they're real. And it provides a great compliment for the music that you're about to play, which, by the way, in just a moment, we get to watch you guys play a bunch of songs for us. Yeah. As your bio says, in the same way Springsteen has always done, you guys are rocking it like the big boys. Um, <laughs> everybody, uh, stick around because a performance by Kingsboro is next. Thanks again, come. guys. Right Thank on. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much.
Cause I'm tired of this place Or something stronger If I have to get up again Or worries and dreams Are the same miles live away Amongst liars and thieves Forgotten in the penitent
she bleeds me, deceives me all in a round. Begs the attention, suspension, the voice is so loud. Burning and bursting, allergic to light and the gleam. The bloodthirsty leeches, the creatures they bait and they feed. I sing love Push me your paper, your sign, you will save your or slave. Punching and crunching, conspire, retire, then awake. Wake ups and downers and drowning while counting the days. Basking the tide, all surrounded by sober news. I see